If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. This episode is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Love trying new fashion trends, but find it all a little intimidating? With Stitch Fix, refreshing your wardrobe has never been easier. They figured out the new 2024 trends, so you don't have to. Just give your stylist your size, style, and budget preferences, and they'll send you five just-for-you pieces, plus outfit recommendations and pro styling advice. Refresh your 2024 wardrobe now and get started today at stitchfix.com. It is the weekender on the Anfield app. I've got no idea why Craig Cannon stood up. Uh, I've got Gareth Roberts and Mel Reddy as well, uh, all doing the show, pulling it together. It transpires Craig's blowing his nose, touch a class there to stand up to do so. Uh, there were days in the Anfield app, people wouldn't do that sort of thing. Uh, coming up, we've got Ted Knutson uh, talking about Statsbomb with me. We're partnering with Statsbomb, that's all to come. Uh, Leanne Robe talking about uh, Liverpool women and where they're up to this season on the march uh, in the FA Cup and should now be cleared of relegation in the league, you'd have thought. And Paul Cope with his seven ways to change your career. You read it Gareth what's it like I've read it and I uh, helped to edit it yeah and um, I, I mean it, I think it's it's difficult because I know him and I like him but honestly it's good it, yeah. like, like so like you might not want to take my word is what I'm saying but I really enjoyed you it you edited it so I need to look through it again for no you don't need to do that Josh has been through it as well so he, <laughs> he, he sorted that uh, so now it's um, it's good I mean what I like about it is it's sort of like you know Quite informal, and, and it's hard when you know him not to hear his voice type. Of oh, thing. Very much so. Um, but it's good, good advice in there, and, and, and it's done in a way where it doesn't sort of blow your mind away in terms of you're like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about here, but it's it makes you think, you yeah. know what I mean? It makes you think, why can't I? Why can't I do something else? When we went to Dublin, Rob Dorn and bought a copy and I kept believe so about it. <laughs> read out to him, read it back out to him. Uh, yeah, absolutely ruthless. Uh, the last thing you need when you're trying to have an election weekend. Well, wasn't wasn't Dave, as in heightened Dave, basically going, that didn't happen, that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're a liar, Cope and yeah, all Yeah, 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 <laughs> terrible. Uh, absolutely Paul, terrible. Paul, all two stories. Uh, poor, poor Cope. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, the book is worth reading, and we will be talking to him about that. That is to come later on, indeed. Uh, we're going to talk about Bayern and Man United, obviously, but we're going to start with little bits and pieces through the week. Fabinho uh, had an interesting chat earlier on the week. Uh, we're going to have a chat about that and some of the little bits and pieces that have emerged but we'll start with Fabinho and uh, the quote that stood out to me Craig was when he said I had a good season in Monaco we scored a lot of goals and we had joy playing football and we have to do it here as well enjoy the games and go on the pitch with happiness and go game by game one of the things from this is it's worth remembering because he's sort of young and he's had a bit of a stop start season well he's won a league (laughs) this fella's won a league as an insurgent you know that Monaco side was up against the all conquering PSG side which had all the money in the world and they pulled together an unlikely league title yeah, it, it's it's easy to forget how young he is. I, I had a look. He was um, he's two years younger than me, uh, and he doesn't look like <laughs> it. He's he's had a hard paper around, I think. Um, and I think I think now we're sort of seeing the Fabinho that we all hoped. But I think I'm 
for me, I hadn't watched much of him, so I'm seeing a little bit more than that, really. I didn't realise how good he would be in terms of, you know, um, attacking-wise, because especially, I think, against uh, Bournemouth, you saw it, where when a team's penned in like that, he can be so effective in the little balls he threads through. He's almost the pass before the assist. Um, the, the, some of the little balls he was playing over for Milner and for Robertson, so, so impressive. And I think he has more interceptions than any other Liverpool player. So that's kind of what we expected. Um, and, and he's quickly becoming my favourite footballer at the club. And I think he's going to be so, so important, not just for this season, but going forward, the fact that he is only 25 um, and and what makes it all the more impressive really that is that we've got him during a summer where if you look around at our rivals the teams that were looking for that kind of football or that player in that position Arsenal get Torreira who who looks like a good buy but United get Fred Chelsea get Jorginho who I'd imagine if you ask most Liverpool fans at the very start of it all who would you want it's Jorginho it's Jorginho he was the Can't turn around, he, he was the sexy signing wasn't he really but we've we've got Fabinho and, and, and I wouldn't swap him uh, Mel the Little things when you look back through, as I say, he references there that he's won a league, he's got one in his back pocket, that not just did he win the league, he was integral to it, he scores a penalty when they go, and wins a penalty, I believe, but he scores a penalty when they go away to Paris Saint-Germain uh, late in that season, which was a massive win for that Monaco team at that stage of proceedings. But in general, we, we there's a lot of people at the minute saying Liverpool's players, they're under, they're under pressure that they're not used to. Well, there's a number of them who've, who've, who've been in title races. Milner's won the league, Fabinho's won that league, Van Dijk knows what it is to win titles. I checked, I went through, Wijnaldum won uh, the league with, with PSV, and he was actually playing of the year, the season he won it. My point is, is that we can say, well, a lot that Liverpool, this Liverpool club hasn't been in and running since 2014, and a lot of personnel have changed. But these footballers know what it is to play football under pressure. Yeah, it's also something I think that just becomes overplayed. The whole they've not Liverpool haven't won a league title, so the players aren't as well equipped to deal with the situation or the pressure as. Manchester City, it's just one of those things that's said because it always gets said, you know, yep. throughout the course of football and, and just sporting history. Um, it's it's one of the bankers that, that you can pull out and say, even if there's no actual proof or there's no correlation. Um, and I think it's more about not the experience of having done it, but just your personalities and, and your character traits in general. And I think a lot of that Liverpool squad and having spoken to people who have worked at Melwood for over a decade and when they, you know, are contrasting teams throughout their time there, the word they used was killers. This is a squad of killers. You've got ice cold characters in there. You know, you mentioned Virgil van Dijk, Ginny Wijnaldum, James Milner, Jordan Henderson. These are people who are determined, who are focused, who can carry out and execute a, a game plan uh, the way they want to. And they're not swept up by the emotion of everything, which in 2013-14, everybody, everyone from the playing staff to the backroom team, to just the entire place and, and the f fan base, everything was a huge emotional drive. And I think that's where Liverpool kind of got overrun because it wasn't matched with the coolness and calmness. This squad from the top down, Jurgen Klopp, exudes calm. You know, there's no talk about the title. There's no talk about pressure. And, and that point uh, Fabinho makes about enjoyment is so important. And it's something he's said from the first day he got here. You have to enjoy this journey with its ups, with its downs, tough times, good because that's the only way 
you relish the you know the stuff that you achieve together. Carthers, the other thing about this side is that it, the, the vast majority of them got to the Champions League final mm-hmm. last season, and for me, there's. You know, when I was thinking about this and putting it in its full context, there's one performance that stands out, and it's one that may in the end be a little bit counterintuitive, but the way this side performs under an unbelievable amount of pressure at the Etihad, when they get absolutely pummeled, in yeah. what, you know, City are all over us, they're playing some great stuff, but we've gone one down. You know, every, the worst thing that could have happened, happened, and they all, every single one of them that day, they stand up, they counted. They have a couple of chances just before the break, then they get the break, and then they come out second half and play as they do, fade up the pitch from foot. And to me, that's, you know, teams get forged in moments like that. Yeah. And for me, that's the one where this team is forged. That's as much pressure as you can have. Absolutely. And, you know, the way the final went, you know, maybe that was going to take a little bit of that away. What we saw from the start of the season, in fact, we saw, we saw before that, we saw in pre-season, that the mood was right, that, that the way they were going to play football was right. And, and it became pretty clear pretty quickly that they wouldn't let it affect them, what, what, what happened in the final. So I, I I agree with Mel and the stuff about, you know, you're constantly hearing all the time about, te- you know, players and teams that have done it before and how that matters. But it's not about that, though. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of it, yeah, but it's about the culture that they're operating in. And the culture that they're operating in is a healthy one, is the right one. And I think, you know, Jürgen's maybe struggled a little bit at times to sort of keep the shutters down, if you like. Everyone's trying to open them and get in there. I thought, I thought the... It was really interesting the other week where he was saying, like, I'm getting messages saying, like, you're all right. And he's like, I'm sound, yeah? Are you? Do you know what I mean? Like, almost like, because people think there's a problem. And as far as he's concerned, as, as far as the players are concerned, there isn't one. You know, so all the stuff that you see in the media, the seven, it could have been seven and it could have been this. And, you know, the constant, like, the dramatic music and the little things that they put on the start of footy focus and match of the day and the thing on Sky... That's not that. That's that's the media. That's not the reality of what it's like behind the scenes at Melwood. And I, I think the rest of this season now is is up to Liverpool. And, and I'm not really sort of interested in anyone else. And I think I think we should all have that attitude. Absolutely, people. because you know I was laughing my head off. A City were putting six past Chelsea, basically because I was with I was with Stephen Rob and Rob was on the emotional journey that you can expect. He's yeah. on. and Steve just kept saying, "Yeah, but they can't play us again." If we win yeah. all of our games, we win. And Rob Doesn't was like, yeah, but someone's got to stop them. And Steve went, no, no one has to stop them. Yeah. No, they, 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 just win all your games. Just win your games. Yeah. You, can even, you can even draw one. It's all right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was the jail. And it was like, it doesn't matter, does it? They can do whatever they want. We've just got to do what we do. Yeah, exactly. And Liverpool have been playing football for six months to get to this point. So, why, you know, this idea that they're all going to, like, throw, you know, lose their heads and throw it all up in the air and say, ah, oh, you know, they, want, they all want this more than anything else. And, uh, you know, we, it's been talked about on other shows, but, you know, that the little snapshot of defiance that you got from Robertson and Milner in those little interviews was absolutely brilliant for me because I think that shows you what it's like inside the dressing room. They're coming out going, what? What what, what what are you on about? Go and say this to City. They've lost. They've lost more than us. Go and say it to them. And I, and I love that because that's how it should be. It's how it should be, Mel. And I think there's something else in that, which is, and, and I do hope it sort of permeates. Uh, there, isn't a, there isn't a throwing away here. For anybody, you know, right now, you saw, for instance, the quality of Tottenham last night against Dortmund in that second half was, you know, it it probably won't get the credit it deserved. That's a tremendous performance, and it shows how good they are. You know, it really did. The, the, it isn't so much Dortmund were missing players as well, but it was the way in which, for instance, Vertonghen stands up and decides he's just going to run the game from left yeah. wing back. And that's what we're, you know, that's what we're up against. We're up against a terrific City side that could get 190 points across 76 games. And, and what, a, what a football team they are if they do that. Liverpool are tremendous, and we've seen the calm they've got all the way through. Tottenham are brilliant. It should very much be these are these are three great sides, and and it, and it isn't some sort of notion over bottling or anything like that. What's going to happen is that one's going to get more points than the others, and it's actually just going to be Liverpool. Yeah, 
It's actually, when you think about it, the team that finishes second and the th- team that finishes third at the end of the season are going to be extraordinarily good teams that in any other season would have it would have been good enough to win it really, you know, or most seasons. And unfortunately, I think the media has allowed tribalism to infiltrate it. So it now plays on the tribalism. So it's easy to call a team bottlers because the rival fans will, you know, agree with that notion. And you work up that fan base. So they also want to click to see, well, why are you calling us bottlers? And then argue with that article and share it. And then other people are seeing it. City didn't bottle anything at Newcastle. They just had a bit of an off day. Yeah, it's it's. That's the culture. Hold your random Masant. That's the culture of just the environment that we're working in, where the negative aspects will always be heightened. But that Manchester City team to be in a position that Liverpool are in, where it's in their own hands against Pep Guardiola's side, with that strength and depth that they have, the team that you know sets an unreal benchmark last season and have such high ambitions of themselves. Liverpool, it's people won't accept it, that it's a remarkable thing, just because there's the desperation to win it. And it's still in Liverpool's hands to win it. But even if, you know, the worst happens and that doesn't come to fruition, it's been an incredible season thus far from Liverpool. It's, it's really difficult at the top. Tottenham as well, people... How many times have people written them out of this title the race? The so resilient. And yeah, they just do not die. They don't go away, regardless of how many issues they have. Injuries, not moving into their new stadium. Just getting beat loads. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, you don't bother with draw. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's, we should be relishing. I, I, I tweeted this after City won, and I said something like, what a, what a battle at the top we've been treated to. And so many Liverpool fans came on and they were like, treated, this is torture, um, I hate this. Oh, I like it. The look on Robbo's face should be the image for the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, a few others were like, you know, it's okay to cry about it. Um, I just oh, wanted to end now. And I was like, no, this is what it's about. What is it about. to end do now? Know, it's February. Do you know, if Liverpool are champions at the end with the season being as competitive and as unyielding as it's how satisfying that is to be pushed all the way and to stand up against those two and be like we yep. did it I, th- I think that's my favorite thing about this Liverpool team that they they know that they're built to be part of this they're not they just haven't arrived here by accident it's been a it's this has been a project under Jurgen Klopp that they know that they've been piece by piece been a part of the puzzle towards this and um and you know look you two I remember you two talking on, on podcasts maybe two or three years ago and this idea of character within the Liverpool side and the lack of character oh, wow. thing. at some Talking, point, at some shouting. point, at some yeah. point that will not get referenced I, I, know, I, I know. might actually try and find it and get a clip <laughs> just for oh, a, lad. Yeah. <laughs> I was the unfortunate third Were party you? there that said nothing for about 25 minutes I think I remember that after listening to it it's I was just almost, a hefty discussion I almost wanted to do a post-match reaction show <laughs> after it just for that one but but I think that's 
the, the the character that we're seeing within this side, like the likes of uh, Van Dyke storming off after beating Palace four three because he was fuming that they conceded three goals, and um, the idea of whenever you see Milner and Robertson talk, uh, being asked these questions that they're defiant in in the response, and I think that you know these these players know that they're good enough. These players know that they've been built for this, and and these players uh, these players, although they haven't you know they haven't been in maybe in title races in the Premier League before. They've been under pressure before. Like I don't think it's any secret that Jurgen Klopp's gone after players who are captains of their country, the best player in the country. You know, Mo Salah wearing the 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 weight of Egypt on his shirt with that penalty, or um, that's throughout the whole side. Um, and I don't think that's by accident. Um, I think that's by design. Um, quickly, Klopp uh, on a charge, questioning the integrity of the referee after West Ham. It's one of them, Mel, where written down, it doesn't seem so good. The words at the time, I just sort of. It was he was almost just trying to explain why he thought there was lots of fifty fifties getting given against them and in quite a sort of he was trying to depict it in the the referees a human as well way, but the way in which it sort of ends up phrased and he was obviously clearly frustrated in that we get the big decision against West Ham, but we don't get many small ones right the way through. It's we could just do without a touchline ban, really, couldn't we? Yeah. All the talk at the moment is it will most likely be a fine. Yeah. Um there doesn't seem to be any imminent threat of a ban. Uh, I can see why the FAF charged him. He was trying to be probably nicer than he's been, you know, than in the past when he's questioned refereeing decisions. But the intimation there that he was affected by the offside and then his yeah. officiating was coloured by that. Obviously, he wasn't going to go well down well with them, whether it was said positively or yeah. sarcastically or however he meant it. Um but yeah, it should just be a fine. Uh, it'd be nice if referees were a bit better, Gareth. And I don't mean that in a sort of, you know, I don't have a VAR discussion or anything like that at the minute. I think almost anybody who opines on VAR at the minute manages to make a fool of themselves in, in three moves. Um, but there is the that game is a really good example of one where I genuinely came away from it. And there's been a few of these this season for Liverpool where I just don't think the referee's very good. And I think that's, I don't think that they're keeping up with play because play is now so fast. I think it's hard. I think for me, it's no surprise. I always use it as an example, but I think Michael Oliver is the best referee in the country. And I also think he's the fittest. And I think if you're fitter, you're able to be closer to where you need to be. And I think there is a little bit of a thing at the minute where I think the standard of the refereeing is just in general. And I, and I do mean this at times for both sides. It just in general is a bit crap. And, mm. and, and, you know, not, not, not big calls, but 50 50s in the middle of the park at times, you're just a bit like, they give them all one way for, for five minutes. And then give them all the other way for five minutes. It is frustrating watching at the minute. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think there's still a thing that you know. Look, there's a, there's a there's double-edged sword almost. Like on the one hand, you've got to say, yeah, the human and the bound to make mistakes and all that, and that's the, that's the idea of of bringing VAR in, of course, to try to make that a little bit better. But also, ultimately, you're still relying on humans at the end. But I, 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 I think that some of them are just still refer, you know, refereeing on context, refereeing on, you know, like, so they come to Anfield and there's still the thing at Anfield that, yeah, we all appeal for decisions and so we should. That's what that's what the home crowd is for. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think went round a while ago where, you know, Milner had absolutely flattened Zaha and, like, you know, a little weird thing went on the internet and everyone was like, eh, look, Liverpool fans all, all saying, like, what, why is he getting a card for that? Because he's our player, <laughs> like that's that's the idea, and I, and it kind of th- feels a lot of times that referees come to Anfield and go, "I'm going to stand up against that. I'm going to show that I'm not a homer. I'm going to show that I'm not influenced by the crowd." No one's asked, mate. Just just give the decision that actually happened, and don't worry about the crowd thing. You know, block that out as much as you can, and like you know. This week or the last week or so, you know, everyone sort of, well, not everyone, but lots of people sort of lauding this showmanship around Mike Dean. 
fuck off. It's not about you, mate. Like, I, I don't go the mat. I, I don't want to know who they are. I don't want to know the names. I don't want to know anything about them. The, the best referees, for me, are the ones that you just don't even notice. You just think, yeah, that was a foul. He's given a foul. That was this. He's given that. And if you end up talking about a certain referee all the time because he's crap or because he's doing stupid things with his arms or because he, you know, he wants to be a celebrity in his own right because he knows he's on the telly, that is you, Mike Dean. That's wrong for me. It's not about them. All right. Um, I guess, you know, when Mike Dean's not involved, I do enjoy watching the videos a little bit. You know, when he's doing like the dances, like he's pre- he pretty much dances on a football pitch, doesn't he? He's just having, he's just having a lovely time. I know. Uh, also, but, as well, it is his job to referee football matches. It is, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so to like break out of the agenda, but I'm absolutely, I can't, I, I can't believe that people are literally saying they're crying about about where we are in the league and how we're doing this season. So, like, I just had to have a look, and I, I won't be able to do it properly because I've, I haven't prepped it. But yeah, like three seasons ago, we got 60 points all season. <laughs> We've got 65 now. Well, that was, it's like, it is, the, you know, what occurred to me the other day? Season I was, before, 62. I think people, I think there's part of, there's part of humans anyway, some people, and it's not, this isn't just a Liverpool thing, I think it's all clubs. Like, I think that there's a lot of people who would just be quite happy if we were on a trajectory towards 78 points and fourth in a European Cup run. Because that's dead easy, and you get to watch us win most weeks, but nothing really does your head in, and you come third. And I think just literally, like some people just like a quietish life. They like to go and watch a decent team, see them be tidy, see them beat Bournemouth. But no, it doesn't matter either way in the great scheme of things. So I get to watch a nice three nil, and it doesn't feel like it's you know it, it means so much. And I think that genuinely is like literally. I mean, these are people who vote Tory, and you know <laughs> there is a, there is something in that, uh, and we can we can go from there. Well, yeah, um, Twenty twelve, fifty two points, fifty two. Points? What? What? Do we only play four games? You know, <laughs> nineteen ninety nine, fifty four points. You know, there's loads of instances, and it's like I went to them all, and it was shit. <laughs> do, do you know what? Um, I speaking to a coaching staff of a Premier League club recently, not Liverpool. Uh, one of the the coaches said something like, "Are people having fun anymore in football? Is it just I? I enjoy my job. I really have fun in my job." But are we the only ones left, the ones actually working, who are extracting joy, as in the players, the, you know, the backroom yep. teams? And I got immediately what he was saying and why he was saying it. And But before I could, you know, say, you know, elaborate or whatever, he did. He said, everything you read, everything you watch on TV, everything is just so negative and always picking up the faults and... It just seems like people are miserable, and that's not the football I grew up with. That's the f- not the football I love. That's not the football I know. And I thought exactly that. Send up my match reviews. Just warn them. There's not many commas and a lot of repetition. Craig Cannon. <laughs> everyone is uh, suddenly having a lovely big team awareness chat, and by everyone I mean Liverpool's players. Sadio Mane. He's barely said a word in public for the three, four years he's been here, and suddenly he's writing four thousand word essays on the excellence of Timo Werner uh, yeah, and getting them published in four, four, two. It is. Uh, I'm bang into it. Navi Keita <laughs> learning English, but has still managed to, to, to talk about basically Timo yeah, Werner. Yeah, bang into it. Look, we've been we've kind of been the victim of this in the past, where um, the first thing. That comes to mind was Coutinho in Barcelona and uh, and I'm well up for a little bit of um, dark arts in the media um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really I would love to think that someone's had a word with both of them it does it can't be a coincidence that this happens or is it that they've just been asked a question and, and they've answered uh, it in, a, in a way that's not really the way they're meant to but, but Sadio's got into a lot of detail I'm sorry Mel like he's basically given games he's watched tactical reports yeah, that he submitted afterwards when when Liverpool were interested in in Nabi, 
and I spoke to Sadio, and it was quite obvious. I, there wasn't even any... Um, I, I think the deal had already been announced, actually, that August, and I spoke to Sadio in September, and he could rattle off every single game Leipzig played because he was watching uh, Nabi, and he was ta- he spoke to me as well about the red cards and, oh, this is what he needs to stop doing them, or I've spoken to people. <laughs> so he knew already then in detail, but that's because they are like brothers, so... It makes sense why he knows so much about Timo, who's, you know, one of the standout players for Leipzig as well. Obviously, profile-wise... It seems right, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, stylistic, age, everything. It's all, it's all there. I just think it's going to be really interesting to watch Liverpool's business because the better you get, the harder it gets to recruit because you're then looking all the time at another bracket, another bracket, another bracket, and the clubs that you compete with in that bracket. I don't think Liverpool have that issue anymore of competing with the bigger clubs because I think they've made themselves very attractive. But you're then talking about completely different, you know, fee, um, different sets of demands that the player can make because of the level of interest in him. Then you've also got to think, you know, if I pay that amount of money for, Knock on this, effect for the rest of the squad. Yeah, for the current yeah. squad as well. It's going to be very interesting to see how it's managed. Um, look forward to us buying him. Gareth, they're not using him for three months and everyone going spare uh, as we retrain him to play a new <laughs> yeah. position in a new role. be uh, great that, won't it? And then we'll get to know the names of some journalists we've never heard of before who link him to a move away because he's unhappy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be fantastic. And then and then I can write a piece again saying, look at all these examples of when that's happened before. <laughs> stop, stop all losing your shit. This is what Klopp does. And, yeah. It's good, good for the content. Every season, the same. Yeah. 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 Shh. Yeah, don't give the game away Mel. unbelievable Mel, Mel's pulling the house of cards down around us you need better pay him for this <laughs> pulling the house of cards down around us uh, Timo Werner more to come on that one listen we're not going anywhere we're going to have a chat about Bayern United and the prep that's going on for those games at the minute you've got Ted to come you've got Leanne to come you've got Cope to come don't go anywhere Jeff and Andy are back yeah I like that they keep asking us I feel like it's because we do a good job like there's maybe talk on the Razor circuit that if you want Razors sold... You go to the Anfield rap. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Jeff's going to the Razor conferences and telling people, and Andy's like, shut up. Yeah, don't give it away. You know, we're already, you know, doing a better job of these people who, you know, were ripping off customers all the, all these years with their inflated prices. Um, you know, we're already upsetting the market. Yeah, we, 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 there's, there's disruptive and disruptive ants. <laughs> you know, don't want to turn it in there, yeah, if you don't yeah. mind. You know, don't be telling everyone that our secrets. No, no, no. It's the secret of all of our success. Uh, I mean, well, would you go so far to say that Harry's would be nowhere without us? <laughs> I wouldn't say nowhere because obviously they've still got the fantastic product at a very reasonable price. But, you know, I, you know they're, they're coming to us for a reason, I'd like to think. I'd like to think that as well. They are very much coming to us for a reason our good friends at Harry's um, as ever uh, I am going to talk about the fact that I really enjoyed the aloe vera gel um, I'm, I'm, I'm bang into it I had, I had to uh, I remember I mentioned I had to use I'm not, I'm not going to name the competitor because we don't like that sort of thing and we're not here to criticise people to, here to talk other people up but I did use a, a competitor's gel uh, yeah. recently and I'm back now with Harry's because I've had it sent through uh, but I had a period where as I said to you I'm shaving more often because I never know when you're about to ask me to do a video <laughs> which has happened today which has happened today so I never know when someone's going to say do you want to be on? Do you want to be videoed? So I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing a bit more in terms of my appearance. <laughs> Not much, listeners. <laughs> Don't get carried away. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the gel. Um, it's it's the best one I've ever used. Yeah, I I've got really kind of sensitive skin, so I do I do cut and bleed easily. I'm a sensitive guy, Neil. You, you know are what indeed. I mean? uh, always. I would say both touchy and feely. <laughs> <laughs> so the Harry's boys sort me out as well, and, and, and yeah, I do really like it. It's, it's good. I will be honest though. It says it, they've they've listed a few things. How does the products look when you first? 
go with it. It looks great. Did you find the razor left your face smooth in comparison to past shaves? I would say yes. Oh God, yeah. Was the less discomfort during the process? Absolutely, I've just said that. How was the foaming shave gel? That goes all over it. How did the texture grip of the razor feel in your hand? No idea, mate. <laughs> no idea. Honestly, yeah, if you say so, lads, on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is like you know, well, I'm, 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 I can't quite get into ergonomics in general. <laughs> you know, I'm very much like, like, uh, you know, I like, for instance, I was using my other my, my my laptop in the office the other day, and I was sort of ruminating on the fact that I wouldn't have like a big chunky mouse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At the minute, you've got oh, these yeah. sorts of things, and I was just thinking to myself, I just quite like not like a little sort of stylish, sleek yeah. thing, like the sort of thing where you can feel the ball of it in your hand. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe it'll happen. Though, like mobile phones got smaller and then got bigger again. Yeah. And I think like maybe maybe with, with computers uh, we're all going to go back to big massive monitors oh god it'd be amazing <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and, and, a, and a good old fashioned mouse yeah I'm, I'm banging to the other thing I've realised recently is I'm really into things being heavy like I take them more seriously <laughs> we feel it nice to feel something in your pocket I yeah. think feel it's there uh, indeed, indeed. Anyway. so anyway uh, we digress massively so the, the, the Harry's story as you know is that uh, one big razor company was relentlessly increasing prices and reaping immense profits at the benefit of the customers uh, at the expense of the customers sorry um, and so Jeff and and Andy decided they were gonna they were gonna step in and do this, uh, and so they bought their own factory in the end, uh, and they do it all via the internet. Uh, all of Harry's stuff is via the internet, and therefore that's why they're half the price. Um, and that is that is true, John. They are half the price. Yeah, it's really good prices. Uh, so if you get your razors, you join up, yeah, you get everything you need. So you get the uh, your weighted ergonomic handle, uh, nah. the five precision engineer blades, which you like the lubricated strip, which does makes a difference, and trimmer blade, uh, the rich lathering shave gel, and a travel bay cover which me and Neil both lost immediately yep and, uh, and it's been alright to be honest with you those blades have stood strong I mean it's nice that Harry's offered that extra sort of thing for you but those blades have stood strong <laughs> over a period of time uh, as and when they get changed um, you can start shaving today if you try, if you claim your trial set for three ninety five. they are supporting us obviously we wouldn't be reading this stuff out if they weren't but we do legitimately use it when we had the customer uh, get together the, uh, the subscriber get together oh, yeah. heritage and some people had a chat to me about the adverts and stuff Yeah, and I was like not just on Harry's I'm not going to name the other ones because it's poor form but I was like you do know we do actually like we, we've knocked stuff back because yeah, we think yeah. and we, we do use this gear it is important yeah. to say that we're not just blagging it yeah yeah we're, we're hard work uh, to our friends at Audio Boom when we want to be <laughs> Absolute divas. Yeah, we are absolute divas. Uh, sorry, Amelia. But, so, so, so but, uh, but, but Harry's we like. Um, so I'm with confident you will like it too. So go to harrys.com forward slash Anfield. Charles says just three ninety five. And you know what? If you don't like it, come and find me the match, and I'll give you the four quid myself. Oh, what a guy! What a hero! What a mensch! <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, that's been our little <laughs> Harry's chat. Um, it is the business. Delighted to be joined by Ted Knutson in every single way from Statsbomb, the Anfield rap, are announcing today that they are partnering with Statsbomb in order to be able to better understand the game, better explain the game and find new ways to talk about it, interesting ways to talk about it, Ted. It's fair to say we're both excited, but Statsbomb themselves, you've been looking to, to find new ways to put over the use of analytics in football to the general public at least and behind the scenes for a while. Should we start with the general public? How's it all gone? It's going all right. I think the, we're kind of recognized as, as one of the, the leaders and innovators in the space. And we've been doing this since 2013 as a, as a silly little blog. As you know, Some things grow from, from something tiny and then end up being like, you know, a, a decent-sized company. So You'd have to tell me that. We've been, <laughs> yeah, we've been educating about stats and how you use it in different ways in football and learning a lot on our own, too, as we go. 
when you you say about using it in football, I'm I'm I have a minor worry, and part of the reason why I'm really excited about partnering with you is is this minor worry, which is that there's football clubs are doing loads and loads of work behind the scenes with data, and then there's us the punters watching it and there's always been gaps between obviously what you can know and what you can't and I think it's important isn't it that the general public and the normal football supporter can find ways to to understand use this data in an interesting way we'll never have the data they have behind the scenes of the clubs or at least we won't to the supporters but in the same way that we can understand aspects of all different ways the game operates we can get to understand aspects of this as well yeah, I think so. And it's just information. At the end of the day, you know, tactical information is useful to coaches and, and, and also to, to fans alike. In the same way for statistical, as long as we can package it in a way you can understand. And when you've been looking to do that, what have been the challenges there? Because, you know, you've been using the radars. I like the radars. I think they're useful. But it, getting it over so that fans can understand it is, the, is, 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 the, is, is half of your job as a stats bomb. Yeah, I think the... You know, we've gone very visual, and you'll see a lot of visualizations in our stuff, and hopefully that'll start rolling out in your stuff. And I think part of that is because when we've been talking to coaches and players, we found that they see the game very visually as well. So if we can find ways to show what's happening on the pitch or give them trending or things like that in a visual way, it makes it much easier to digest and understand. And when you say when you're talking to coaches and players, is this again because we presume everyone's a football professional? We probably wouldn't take a take a breath, take a step back, and think that the the football professionals themselves they will not be au fait with in depth, unbelievably dense statistical information. In the same way, you've got to find a way to do it for the supporters. You've got to find a way to say to them, listen, this these are the key bits of information. Yeah, I think that that's true, and you know, you guys have had plenty of footballers on, and some of them. Like Carragher actually is pretty interested in stats and data, uh, maybe quietly in some cases. And plenty of other them are just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. You've got a whole spectrum just like normal people. And it, in, in terms of sort of widening that spectrum, how best can we all do it? I mean, so that because the reason why I said I'm excited to, and I've been using the platform uh, behind the scenes for a while now. And I, but what one of the things that I'm really, really want to get stuck into is those visualizations, but also just trying to work out what, what what little bits matter. What tricks can you sort of give me now on air so that I can rip them off for the, for our punters? <laughs> it's difficult to say. Actually, the platform's grown into like quite a quite a big beast. One of the cool things we added recently was a way to look at how teams are doing in different stats against different opponents and just to, like, calculate that on the fly. Uh, so, like, say, you know, what, is, what are Liverpool's expected goals or even just goals scored against the big six teams look like? And it's as easy as, you know, a few clicks and poof, now you've got something you can download or talk about on air or stuff like that. Um, and then we're adding more tactical information as well because, really, what, what tactical data and stats do is they condense all the video watching that you'd use from five to ten to say the entire season worth of video yeah and they just condense it down into oh here's a few visualizations you might want to pay attention look at the next couple of games or the last couple of games and see if it makes sense to you or not well one of the things that i've been really impressed with with the platform for instance is expected goals has become sort of oddly controversial for reasons i don't understand i've never quite understood because it is basically we should have scored five today but accurately measured and it's a really i've always found it a really useful way if you get to see the expected goals chart of for instance Norwich versus Ipswich you get to see whether or not Norwich deserved their 3-0 victory as an example but 
what what I like about the platform is that you're really trying to you're trying to do stuff with expected goals. It isn't just as simple as to where the action took place on the pitch. You're trying to work out was the player on the right foot, where the way uh, what 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 was around them. You're trying to really hone that, aren't you, into something that can be that 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 adds all the context so that you know if someone scores an open goal from 25 yards, it doesn't just look like a shot from 25 yards in a really basic way. Yeah, and I think the the two new additions that we announced last week were ones that you know, came from talking to coaches and, and also talking amongst ourselves, like what more can we add that gives you a little more context about a chance? So something sort of a, a hip high volley, that's actually quite difficult of a chance. Or like, you know, say an eight foot header that you've got a good vertical yeah. leap, but it's likely to skim off the top of your head. So we added uh, what you call a Z coordinate or a vertical coordinate uh, for shot height. And then the other thing we added was goalkeepers aren't just a dot on the pitch. They've got, you know, shape and frame and form. And so we started to talk, and, and we started collecting in, uh, in our beta platform the goalkeeper shape when a shot happens and also when they're making the save so that we give teams or the media or whomever uh, a little more information about what happened on each chance. Um, you're also trying to work more and more on, on, on pressing. You've got some very specific sort of measurements of pressing actions as well, which, which I very much enjoy playing with. You get to see a lot of what certainly Liverpool foot supporters, Liverpool players do on which aspect of the pitch, which part of the pitch, which phase of the game. All of this stuff can be drilled down into and they can tell the story of the, of the football match out of possession. Yeah, because you know, the tiniest little bit of information comes out of tackles and interceptions. Pressures are basically trying to force the opponent into making a mistake or moving the ball on faster than they might want to otherwise. And if you do this regularly, you know, it doesn't necessarily show up in the stats that other uh, data collectors collect, but we do it because we know that it has an impact on the game. And so it's, it's not an obvious thing, but we added it in because we saw that you know, modern football was very much moving towards a, a pressing game, and, uh, and people would care about this very soon. Um. You're trying to anticipate there the direction of travel for the game. You obviously get to work with 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 clubs behind the scenes. I know that there's a lot of that information that you can't share with me off air, let alone on. Um, but are you sort of always aware that the, the the there's a depth that's being gone into behind the scenes, and you're sort of trying to anticipate that for the wider public at some sort of phase? That there's we're always going to be playing some form of catch up in amongst this in the in the public sphere, but you get to sort of see the 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 the, the direction that we might be playing catch up in. A little bit of that, and we definitely listen to what our our team customers tell us. Like they give us feedback that hey, we'd like to see, we really like this visualization, but we want to see it vertical because that's the way that our coach wants to see it. So we've changed it from horizontal, and we give you the option to do that. And that's like little stuff. But then other times they're like, hey, we want to know these types of things about players. Can you start to to put that in the platform? And in many ways, you know, for for certain customers, we might not be the cutting edge because they have giant budgets because they're football clubs and, <laughs> uh, and 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 PhDs staffed alongside of that, and we're a startup. But for most of our customers, we actually are like right on the cutting edge of what you can do with event data and the new type of data and goalkeeper analysis as well. And so it's coming straight from basically you know the laboratory and being delivered after we hopefully check it many many times to make sure it's right uh, into <laughs> into the team space and also to you guys now. Well, I mean, you know, Andy Heaton's been playing with that goalkeeper thing for. for I, I, I had to switch it off the other day, and, and this week I get other things done. So we're, we're already on top of the goalkeeper, uh, the goalkeeper stuff there. Just last little word on it, um, Ted. What I like about the website, your website, before we talk about how we're going to use it a little bit, is, for instance, there's a piece on here that I that, that I read the other night, uh, well, the other day, which was three three stories from lovable, entertaining, messy Scottish football. There's a 
I think that the, what often gets missed, and, and sometimes because the way in which people communicate it from within the stats and analytics community, is that this is meant to also be fun. And that, you know, it isn't it isn't the idea that everyone's going to be suddenly drowning in numbers. That you can literally, I mean, you might need to have a specific type of sense of humour, but we can all enjoy this. And I think that that's, that's often the bit that gets missed when people feel, when people hear the word data. It just shifts your arguments in the pub, to be totally honest with you. Like, you just have a slightly different quality of argument. <laughs> it is, that's it, isn't it? It's not, it isn't the idea of trying to, it isn't the idea of trying to, you know, become the, the necessarily the smartest guy in the room or any of that. It is, it is simply that it gives you a whole new list of things to argue about. There you go. That's all you need to know. Um, I'd like to thank Ted, and as, as has become clear, you know, the Anfield Rap is now partnering with Statsbomb. We're going to be using uh, the insight that Statsbomb, well, we'll find out uh, the insight that Statsbomb gives us, not from Statsbomb's side, from our side. The data is only as good as the people who are analysing it. Uh, I'm going to be doing stuff with our video product, uh, as you'll have seen on YouTube recently. You can go to the Anfield Rap's YouTube page, and there you'll be able to find, for instance, from Monday next week, our preview of Bayern Munich. We'll be, for the first time, using the statistical data within there and trying to find a couple of ways to visualise what we think Bayern Munich might do before they play Liverpool. We're hoping to add a weekly stats video show as well onto that, where we're going to try and find interesting ways to visualise this data in a manner which is useful for Liverpool supporters. And what I mean by that is, it's one thing for when Ted has to speak to football clubs or even other football people, football supporters, about the way in which a team operates. But what I know about the Anfield rap is that you watch every game. Many of you don't watch every game once, you watch it two or three times. And that should give us the opportunity to simultaneously enjoy it a little bit more, but at times go a little bit deeper. There can be a presumption of your knowledge before you turn up, if not necessarily of data and of statistics, but of how Liverpool Football Club operates. And so we're going to try and use that to really get into some stuff, either prove some things that we all assert are the case, or if need be, disprove it. Frankly, I'm really, really excited. I'd like to thank Ted for coming on board with us. Uh, go on to the Statsbomb website, enjoy it, have a little click around on there. There's loads and loads of really interesting pieces, loads of good writing. The podcast is good as well. I probably shouldn't say that. Do listen to ours in Instead, uh, thank you very much to Ted. Uh, this is the Anfield Wrap, joined by Craig Hannon to have a lovely chat about Reds Bet, our partners at the Anfield Wrap. They, uh, what they look to do is to have half of their profits, i.e., your losses, go to fan-related causes. And for Reds Bet, it's Liverpool fan-related causes. Just select which one you want. If this isn't for you, that's absolutely fine. Uh, and whatever you do, always be gamble aware. Um, there is. The two here I like, and they're completely contradictory. Do you know what the way you are as a football supporter, Craig? Where you know you're basically, well, basically full of nonsense if we're honest about it. But there's two I like. Yeah. Okay? Go ahead. And the, I'll tell you them both, and I won't even tell you the price, but I'll tell you them both back to back. One, Liverpool to win from behind versus Bayern. <laughs> two, yeah. Liverpool to lead after 15 minutes versus Bayern. <laughs> completely contradictory. But basically, my argument is things will happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, I've been trying to work out what this game's going to look like in terms of um, what I really hope it'll look like is similar to last year, what we saw straight out of the blocks, um, possibly an early goal, get one, get two, see what happens uh, throughout the rest of the game. Uh, so I'd be more inclined to go for the early goal rather than the, the late winner. The lead after 15, I think we'll score somewhere between 10 and 15. I think so too, I think so too. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be bang up for that. I think, well, the, the, I think that's exactly what we need after this little break as well. Well, that one's 21 to four. Uh, it's been a boosted price, 21 to four. Liverpool to win from behind is 11 to one. Uh, so eleven to one to win from behind, twenty one to four to lead after fifteen of your minutes. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I, I would still maybe look at that bet, you know, because um, I, I just wouldn't put it past us. I think if Byron get one early, 
Um, I think this Liverpool side have shown that they can, you know, at times when they need to most, they can exude, um, you know, uh, yeah, like confidence and calmness in terms of um, what can they, what they can do next. And and you know, they know that if they bide their time, eventually they'll get a chance and they'll take that chance. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be against that one either. Uh, Liverpool to win and over two and a half goals, i.e., three goals or more. Uh, Hello, two two and a half goals in the match, <laughs> uh, two to one. Only two to one. Only two to one. You expect a bigger price? That's in, uh, yeah, I would have. You've um, got a makeshift centre half of me and Matip uh, playing next to each other there. I've uh, been drafted in at late notice to deal with Lewandowski. I still, still. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Not for you. That's fine. No. Uh, Liverpool to win and both teams to score 13 to 5. Do you think Bayern. I, I can't quite work out what Bayern do. I've just done the tactics thing, by the way. So I've, I, I probably should have tried. Well, I have tried to work it out. I think it's really hard for them because they've got the makeshift back four thing going. Um, they've got, you know, they've got their own their own qualities, which is they've got some really good footballers in the middle of the park. There might be something in their mind thinking, is there a way we can sort of shut it down, shut up shop, pull men behind the ball? But then there might also be something where, you know, if you are Kovac, you might think, you know what, Roma came here and they got beat five two, but just imagine if we don't, they'd only got beat four two. What imagine maybe even three? You know, if I can get two on the board. And then what will be will be might actually be the best way to deal with this Liverpool side in Europe. Certainly, if you're away from home first leg, if you're at Anfield first leg. Yeah, I think I think that's a decent bet actually, and especially considering we don't have Van Dijk. Uh, I think Lewandowski has been in good form. I think he'll fancy himself, uh, and yeah, I, I think that could maybe be what the one we've seen not in the last game, but we've seen before that us maybe concede a couple of goals uh, in a couple of games. There. Paddy, the Paris Saint-Germain one's a really good marker, I think, where with a you know a lot of how you would describe and how you. Think this game might go before with a better side we get on top we get ahead we get the two goals but then they get one back yeah, and yeah. then they even get to make it 2-2 because they hang on in the game even with a better side second half and then we go and win it 3-2 but I wonder if that's that, that that might be as good a way to deal with us at home in Europe certainly if we're playing well as anything else I think what makes this all of these bets difficult is I'm really not sure how to um, you know how to look at Bayern I'm not really sure how to evaluate them in terms of I've, I don't really know what to expect in, in in terms of their quality, in terms of just how good they will be, um, you know they've their fans. I think we mentioned it on the weekend. Where their fans have told us um, that they're worried about their slow uh, backline. They're worried about yeah. um, this aging team that needs sort of re- a renovation project. But they've still got some real quality in there. The likes of Alaba on the wing and 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 Lewandowski up and top. Thiago. So Tiago and so on and so on. So I don't really know. So it's it's difficult, and I'm. I'm pretty bad at betting at the, the best at times, Neil. You don't have to. Uh, I'll one one this week, you know. Did you? Yeah, uh, in the United game. Um, I bet on Mbappe next goal score, uh, which was... And then he yeah. was. And he was. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I don't even think about doing that sort of thing. As I say, this is if this isn't for you, that's absolutely fine. Uh, that's the way in which this works. We're very pleased to partner, though, with Redsbet. Uh, Redsbet.com, if you are interested. Uh, let's get back on with the show. Delighted to be joined by Leanne Robe to talk about... Well, we'll talk about Liverpool versus Millwall in a minute or two. But we'll start by talking about Millwall. You came from Millwall and the summer you signed from Liverpool. Uh, sorry, from Millwall for Liverpool women this summer. So it must be a must be an interesting game for you at the weekend. Yeah, no, it will be. I mean, it's always, well, it's like nice space in your old club. But I really didn't expect it at all. When we had the FA Cup run and it was draw um, with Lewis and Millwall, I still didn't think for one minute that we'd come up against them. So, yeah, it will be interesting. 
when you were you were there for a, you were there for a period of time, really. You know, you've you, you've had roots in the north right the way through your life. But Millwall, you're originally from Cambridge, and Millwall is the was was a really important club for you. Yeah, and Mill, my time. I had two years at Millwall, and it was a big stepping stone in my career. Obviously, it's what's led me um, to my move at um, Liverpool. So it is a time that I'd always cherish there. Um, before then, you were at Arsenal. And they're absolutely flying high, playing some fantastic stuff this season. Do you think the standard at the very top of the division is the best it's ever been? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's the closest that it's ever been in the WSL history with the title run at the moment. Um, with the top teams at the top of the table, you've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, even Birmingham are doing really well and Reading are just behind. So it is generally one of them. You don't know who's going to win, but I think Arsenal are the favourites. Do you think it'll go all the way to the wire? Because it's the last game, Manchester City versus Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, that's the last game. So yeah, we'll be going to the wire. It's exciting. And even in the Championship um, at the moment with um, Man United, Charlton and, and Tottenham at the top, that's exciting too. So the leagues are becoming more and more competitive. Are you... You've been sort of part of that journey. Are you 24 or 25 now? Just turned 25. Just yeah. turned 25. <laughs> and so you've been sort of, you know, playing since obviously from a young age, but you've sort of obviously been in amongst this now, playing, going through the, the age groups for, for 10 years or so. And, you know, just every single year on year, whilst you've been improving as a player, you'll have seen the, the general standard improve and the, the general standard of facilities, of coaching. You know, you're, you've lived this journey through a young age. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything's getting better each year. Like, really, like, not just saying that, it's literally improving all the time. Um, there's just more and more investment um, that's been putting into it and it's showing I mean like you say from coming up through the years and seeing how big it's growing it does just drive you on even more to keep working harder because you want to be a part of it so it's an exciting time for women's football and the fact that it's say the speed that it's growing at it's even more exciting for the future in the next few years um, at the minute you've you signed um, you've had play a couple of different roles if, if I've read it right this season you've been at centre-back you've been at left-back is that right do correct me if I'm wrong feel free to say you're wrong about that Neil <laughs> you are wrong I'm afraid <laughs> where, where have you been playing then no I've come from I've always been a centre-back and when I've come to Liverpool I was um, put in a well yeah full-back and wing-back excellent I'll um, take that yeah <laughs> there we go <laughs> not far off not far off but this season playing for this side there's been there's obviously been a big change uh, part of the way through the season and then and then backed up by Vicky I'll talk about Vicky in a second but there's been the there's just been a, bit, a little bit of bad luck at times there's been games that haven't been won that probably deserved to have been won by Liverpool there's still you know it's a really good win against West Ham uh, we had Courtney uh, Sweetman Kirk on and since then Liverpool for, for our listeners the Liverpool women have won, won the last three which is part of the reason why they've got the cup game coming but you know it's, it was a really important victory against West Ham wasn't it one to really stabilise the season really and mean that you can focus on the cup yeah the West Ham victory is absolutely huge and the same the week before um, against the Oval that was massive for us as well um we've got a really tough run of games coming up with Arsenal Chelsea and Man City so we're facing all the teams at the top of the table so it was so important for us to get the points on board against the overall West Ham um there'll be more winnable games for us at the time that we're at the moment when you say that the the tough run of games I mean it's it's a double-edged sword that really isn't it they're the games you actually want to play in you know you yeah, want you want, to, you want to face Arsenal Chelsea and Man yeah, City yeah 100% they're the games that I used to look at when I was in WSL 2 and be sitting there thinking oh my god I want to be playing in them games I want to be a part of it in that league so it's literally so exciting 
you find yourselves at the minute just off uh, sitting in eighth place but well clear of uh, ninth uh, Liverpool women are on 16 points level on points with West Ham United who they beat recently just be- two points behind Reading and then a little bit of a gap to Bristol and then the four that were mentioned before Vicky is I think she looks like she's having the time of her life you may say otherwise I was lucky enough to interview Vicky sort of two, two three years ago and yeah. and you know she was she was really quite a, an interesting inspiring character to me everything I see her do everything I see her say she looks as though she's having a ball is that fair yeah no definitely fair to say I mean you can see how much it means to her it it is the this world for us does mean the absolute world um she's really passionate about the team doing well and driving the team obviously she's new into this role also as well as the play a lot of the players being new to the team so we knew it was going to take a little while for us all to gel together but we're definitely getting there um and sunday uh there is this game in the cup against millwall your former team it's 2 p.m prenton park if people get down, they're going to see an informed Liverpool side, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way that we've come on, even since the start of the season, is huge. I mean, we've been putting in some really good team performances, really getting to know each other on the pitch now and how knowing how each other likes to play. So they'll definitely, well, we'll say hopefully, be plenty of goals that will be coming along. Uh, and there'll be... It's part of a, cup, a journey, this cup run, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to win something this season. I'm sure that's the way in which you're all talking about it internally. You'll be saying one game at a time, obviously, because that's what all football people at least lie to us and say that they say to <laughs> no, each other. I'm going to lie. I've been joking for a while saying that we're going to Wembley. <laughs> there you are. That's what I wanted to hear. So you are. You're going to go to Wembley, yeah? Yeah, or even if I'm joking, I'll, no, it's real. We're going to Wembley. <laughs> you can't ask for any more than that. Uh, so that is Sunday, 2 p.m. at Prenton Park if people want to get down. Uh, it is £5 for adults, two fifty for concessions, which is children. Uh, obviously and also very into involving um, children post-match there's a, there's, a, there's a huge welcoming vibe it's very much about watch the game and then get the opportunity to meet the players yeah definitely I mean all the girls uh, will always stay behind afterwards um, to come in meet the young fans and take pictures or graphs answer any questions or whatever so yeah we were all really friendly so come along don't be shy about asking all really friendly excellent we stuff indeed really uh, they're on the road to Wembley so you can have a chat to them about that afterwards <laughs> as well uh, all will be there for you as I say 2 o'clock Prenton Park if you're around and about do get there do get over uh, and you know the Widow Line trains, trains are working as well so that's a huge positive so it can be convenient enough to get there get yourselves there if you can uh, Liverpool Liverpool women versus Millwall Lionesses 2 o'clock on Sunday joined by Phil McGurk the winner, well, not the winner yet. He's got a, he's the entrant of the Football Flash quiz. Football Flash is a football app which gets you up to date on all Liverpool news. Uh, I've used it today, literally, to write the quiz. Lizzie's off, so I've had to step up and, um, and and get information for quiz purposes. So I've used Football Flash for that. Excellent little app, indeed. Really, really good new news aggregator around Liverpool. Do download it if you get the chance. I've got Phil on now. Phil, before we get stuck in, are the Reds going to beat Bayern Munich? I reckon so. 3 0. Kite says first goal. Oh, I tell you what, that's some evening. You've you've just written me some Tuesday night there, Phil. I've, I have an anecdote from the start of the season, which was you know we beat Paris Saint Germain three two with the Firmino substitute last minute winner. Yeah. I, and I uh, I rolled home uh, after three a.m. and um, the next morning when we were getting up and I was a bit I was a bit sluggish. Um, my 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 then my, my then partner now wife although still partner uh, Sam Brocklehurst. Um, gave me quite the dressing down and told me that they hadn't won the Champions League you know it's just one game it's the first group game um, it was it was relentless stuff uh, and I had to acknowledge no they haven't won the Champions League no 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 uh, anyway uh, I'm sorry 
Maybe this year. Maybe this year, yes. Maybe this year they'll pull it off. Uh, anyway, let me go right the way through and ask you the questions that we need to ask you about uh, the Football Flash quiz. So the first one is, which LFC player played guitar with Jamie Webster? That would be Alison. It is indeed Alison, one out of one. Uh, who made a shock return to the club two weeks after... Who may, who may make... Sorry, hasn't happened yet. But who may make a shock return to the club two weeks after leaving? Ooh, it's tough. This it's probably the hardest question. Uh, I'm not sure. It is. It is Pedro Chilavella. Uh He may well oh, really? end up back due to uh, due to some issues with his registration. So one from two. Um, who yeah, opened the? Lizard's questions usually this. <laughs> who opened the scoring for Spurs versus Dortmund? Uh, that was Son. It was indeed, two from three. Uh, name either of LFC's goal scorers in the FA Youth Cup last night. Uh, Pass on that one, sorry. Duncan or Glatzel, okay, the pressure is on now. Uh, maybe Lucy's questions are easier. Uh, number five, who do Man City face in the Champions League? Last 16. Jeez, oh, I needed to do more research, didn't I? Man City, who they're playing in the Champions League? Yeah. Ooh. I'll let you think about that. I'll come back to that one. You can let that percolate. Who does Liverpool target Timo Werner play for? Uh, uh, Leipzig. It is indeed. Um, which German international midfielder issued by Munich a warning today about the Anfield atmosphere? Which Bayern Munich player? Well, no, which German international midfielder issued a warning about the Anfield atmosphere? Um, was it Emre Chan? It wasn't. It was Ilki Gundawan. Um, maybe right. Lizzie's questions are normally easier, good lord. I won't get to do this again, Phil. I'll be sacked from this. don't worry at all don't you worry in the slightest it's that's been our football flash quiz I hope you've enjoyed it Uh, Phil's had a good go there sign up on the Facebook subscribers group if you want to have a go next week uh, and we will go from there Uh, thank you very much to Phil for taking the time and for listening joined by Paul Cope for one of the odder segments I'll do all year. I'll come on to why it's odd in the in a minute or two. I want to start, though, with, with you discussing the book you've written, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for our listeners, the book you've written is called The Seven Secrets to Change Your Career. So, firstly, tell me about the book, and then I'll explain why it's odd. It is odd. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see why you think it's odd. It's very odd for me. Um, so, there's a long backstory. The, the short story is... I. I actually, I went on a course and they were talking about on the course how we've all got knowledge inside our heads that's valuable to other people. And yeah. as I was sitting there, I was thinking, well, the one thing I've got that's extremely valuable possibly to other people is what I've done over the past few years, which you have, I was thinking about this earlier on, you've, you've witnessed this firsthand. This is why it's odd. Yeah. So for people who don't know, I've gone from being a corporate lawyer working, well, first of, first of all, working for big corporate law firms and then setting up my own company. So I was working 100 hours a week, ridiculous days, stressed out my mind, and just completely transformed it and changed it. So now, now I work 20 hours a month, possibly. I was actually t- I was telling someone about it a few weeks ago, and I said, it's incredible, really. I've gone from 100 hours a week to 20 hours a week. And they were like, God, that's good, isn't it? And then I said, oh, no, sorry, I mean 20 hours a month, <laughs> which is just, even even saying it now sounds incredible. It doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. But um, the book is about that. So 
it's about my story of how I did it. And then it's a guide effectively of exercises that you can go through that shows you how to do the same thing if you would like. And the reason why this is odd is I've sort of, in part, as your friend, lived this journey with you a little bit. And that's why it's quite strange. Like, I feel as though I'm not I'm not going to say I'm a character within the book. I'm obviously not. But there's been like this. It, it's quite strange to have the idea that someone's telling a specific story that you've also witnessed as it's gone through. And you and mm-hmm. this is it's not an exaggeration to say that when you had your own firm, you were employing a number of people yeah. and you were feeling no more or less successful than at any other party life. It's important to say more or less. It wasn't like it was one or the other. Mm-hmm. But the big issue wasn't a, it wasn't a question of success. It wasn't a question of how you measure that success. It was simply a question of your own personal enjoyment of, yeah. your, of your life. Yeah, very much so. And, and it, it's interesting, actually, because even for... I, I'm intrigued to see when friends and family read the book. The first chapter is all about my story, basically. And there's loads in it that m- most people won't know, even friends and family, sort of dark stuff about how how miserable I was and unhappy I was. Because in general life, we all put on a brave face to the outside world, don't we? That's part of what we do. Um, so even I remember having conversations with, with you and others just at times and sort of just telling little snippets of things yeah. and, and people's faces being a bit like, oh, wow, didn't didn't know it was that bad. But yeah, it was... I suppose I'd fallen into a trap that lots of people do, especially in in careers like being a lawyer or an accountant or whatever, where it's just sort of par for the course. You just expect it to be like that. And I, and I, I mean, I've always looked at the world a little bit differently. And I was sort of sitting there thinking, "There's got to, it's got to be more than this for the rest of my life," because it was, it was, you know, it was. It can be quite a soul destroying job to do, and when you've got that much stress and you're working those hours, you, you can get to a point where you're like, well, what's the point in any of this? You can make money, but money ultimately doesn't really do anything for you if you're, if you're miserable. So, When you when you look to, to escape that as part of that journey, was one of the most difficult things almost taking it step by step? Because it's important, again, for listeners to know that you took it step by step. Mm-hmm. You didn't, for instance, not go to work one day and shut the law firm. You didn't do that. Yeah. You didn't decide that you weren't going to take on any other ventures in fact you've set two or three up in the last couple of years it wasn't the idea and I think it's really important for listeners to know that it wasn't the idea that you just basically closed the door on the world and went that's that or even did the other thing I know you're going to do a little bit of this very soon but you didn't decide I'm just going to go travel and I'm going to drop out that's not what the journey is really that's not what the book's about no and I think that's really important there's a a part of the book about this I, I think people one of the things that stops people changing when they're in unhappy jobs especially but anything in your life where things aren't going well is this idea that you've got to like take a leap of faith you've, you've just got to close your eyes and hope for the best and um, see what happens and that's petrifying the idea of that is petrifying to me as well and it's you just don't have to do that at all it's it is and that's what the book's about it's about the step by step it's about how do you analyze your current life how do you figure out what it is you're not happy about and how do you figure out most importantly because this is an interesting bit. I had a coach when I was running the law firm and he gave me the example once of people getting divorced. And he said, the problem with people getting divorced is they only focus on what they don't like about their current partner. What they don't do is think, but what do I want? What do I actually want in the future? Yeah. And it's a good analogy for the for careers and this book because there's at the end of the book is all about that. It's all well and good saying, I'm not happy doing what I do now. But identifying what you want to do and what makes you happy is a really important part. And that's the thing you can do step by step as well. Is that where I know you've 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 gone to a lot of a lot of seminars, you've gone to a lot of sessions, you haven't just decided to write this book based upon absolutely nothing. I know you've done you've been doing loads of work on this, I'd say, for about two years. The book, you haven't been writing it for two years, mm-hmm. but I'd say you've been probably preparing it for two years. It's been in your mind this journey. Yeah. Is that one of your sort of things you're trying to avoid? The idea that there's there's the, there is a sort of a one size fits all 
all here's a list of things that you've definitely got to do instead it can be that you know the it's my it could, for some people it could just be mild changes that you think some people might be perfectly fine let's be, be quite clear yeah other people who read the book may may conclude that there's just there's just simple straightforward small changes they may feel as though they need to make to be happier are you trying to put that over rather than the idea that it has to be a dramatic 100 hour a week to 20 hours a month shift yeah 100 percent. something i i mean i i love sort of the self-help type industry as much as the the names it gets aren't always the best but generally sort of self-development self-development improving your life improving your your mindset things like that but something i don't like about a lot of that industry is it's very definitive it's like do this this and this and you'll be happy and my big thing about all of us we're all individuals you've got you've got to do what's what's right for you and i stress that in the book that it's about not this isn't about my story is my story but everybody else's story is specific to them i was i was talking to someone recently about sort of the mental health question Mm. slash and i think it can be applied to the personal development question is I think there's too we, we we collectively focus too much on either ends of, of of the spectrum. Yeah. That either when things are really really bad, or when people have what you can in inverted commas call an elite sort of mentality, and then we try to draw back from that. Yeah. And I think there's not much. And someone was saying this to me, and it, it struck me as a really profound point that we have entire industries built mm. around physical fitness around people who are in the middle. Yeah. Like we literally have literally gymnasia that exist that I'm meant to go to in order to, to, to feel better, but not, no one thinks I'm going to go there and I'm going to become, you know, an Olympic rower. Yeah. No one thinks that's going to happen. Yeah. Do you think that we need to, you know, so, and is this something, again, something you're trying to do with the book is say to people, listen, this isn't a, you know, this isn't, this isn't about a cataclysmic shift in your mindset where suddenly before you know where you are, you'll be, you know, you'll be, you'll be a winner. It's not that, is it? That's not what you're trying to say. You're just trying to say, think better, not think perfectly. Oh yeah, well, one of, one of the big sections in the book is about perfectionism, and I, I was raised a perfectionist and was a perfectionist for years, and now I'm a reformed perfectionist. So I'm like a I'm like a smoker who has stopped and is now like a warlord. Do you know, my my dad was one of these people, smoked for years, then stopped, and was just horrendous to be around anyone who smokes. I'm a bit like that with perfectionism now. I just think it's I think it's a disease. It's ridiculous. Perfectionism it will just make you unhappy. The idea of this, and there's an exercise in the book for this, because I like to measure. I think we we, it, we talk about lots of these things in fluffy terms, and that's. I think that's why society turns to black and white. It turns to good or bad. Are you fit or not fit? Are you happy or not happy? When actually everything's on a scale. So I, very early on in the book, I, I put a test in to say where are you on the scale? Because you might be six out of ten happy with your job, but you want to be eight out of ten. Well, you can read the book and figure out how to get from six to eight. You might be zero out of 10. You might be absolutely miserable and depressed and you want to get to a six. And when you talk before about the progression, when I look back over the past, I, I sold my law firm in 2015. So it's sort of three, three and a half years yep. to go from there to where I am now. And it was a step-by-step progress of making some errors and figuring stuff out. And you're not finished now. I think that's the really interesting thing. You know, I, I know about three different things that you're working on. People can see them on your Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You've had stumble, stumbles around them. And that, again, is in the book. And that's, again, part of sort of who you are. You've talked a lot whilst we've been doing the football stuff. You talk a lot about things not working, yeah. which I always think is fascinating. Nothing's, nothing's failing or nothing's... Uh, the, the idea that you were, you know, when we've talked even about the most basic sort of football thing, mm-hmm. sometimes you, someone's trying something and it's expl- explaining the attempt as much as sort of... It, not explaining the success of the 
attempt. And that, again, is a, a different way at times to sort of look at life when people are determined just to sort of draw a line down the middle and go, this is the, these are the successful things, these are the unsuccessful things. Do less of them, do more of them. Yeah, well, it's interesting, actually, because for all the people who've listened to me talking to you about footy for, for so long now, when they, if they read this book, they'll probably get more of an insight as to why I think about football the way I do. Because it's, it's all very much the same thing. And the society we live in, the culture we live in is weird, I think, for this. We're obsessed by success. But, I mean, the weird thing is we, we seem to be obsessed by everyone should be successful, but when they are, we don't like it. But also that means we don't, we don't like to talk about failure at all. Whereas I always say to people who I, I work with a lot of companies, I work with a lot of individuals now, and I always say to them, failure is the only thing we, are, we all have in common. Everybody fails. Everybody. No matter who you want to talk about, it could be the best football manager in the world. Guardiola fails. I, I always remember saying last year, look, look at Luka Modric as a tiny example. He finishes the Champions League final as a winner. And a couple of months later, he's standing on the pitch as the loser of a World Cup final. So what does society say about him? Winner or loser, good or bad? Not that straightforward. It, it's as simple as that. So, yeah, it's all about it. I mean, that's cliche. It's all about the journey and not the destination and all of that sort of stuff. But it's true. So, yeah, it's all about, and as you say, I'll, I'll never stop. This is, I'll, I'll, there's a great quote I love about, if you ask Eric Clapton what he does for a living, he says he's learning how to play the guitar. I quite like that. Indeed. Um, how do people get hold of the book? online so it's on amazon um if you want to go to the website you can get to it from there so go to changeyourcareer.org and you can see everything you need to see from there and the audiobook as well audiobook as well yeah i've just finished recording it with your with your help in these studios so that was a fascinating experience in itself it, it, do you know what it was? <laughs> you've, you've almost got an audiobook you can do about your audiobook or at least a little five minute maybe you should do like a little five minute code about everything you learned doing that absolutely well it, it's hilarious as well because i listened to so many audiobooks i was i was actually on the train on the way in listening to bits of the, my recordings to think what do i need to redo or whatever and i was sitting there listening to myself on the train thinking someone somewhere in the world even if one person downloads this will be sitting listening to me for four hours and that in itself is such a surreal thought you, you, you want to walk in these shoes, mate? Anyway, <laughs> it is fantastic. It is Paul Cope's book. Do check it out. It is called The Seven Secrets to Change Your Career, changeyourcareer.org, to get to everything that you need, and it'll be available on Audible and all the obvious places as well. Back with Craig, Mel, and Five Dab Hannon to work <laughs> through uh, to work through the idea of buying, buying Munich and Man United in the prep for these games. Um, I think Bayern Munich have been doing it. I think Bayern Munich's interesting last two selections Mel they haven't played Mueller uh, when he's suspended for the game to come I think he will play on Friday night against Augsburg but the last two I think they've faced oh god I've got to be book upstairs uh, they've faced Hertha and somebody else Schalke maybe it'll come to me but they haven't played Mueller but they've played a different shape they've been working on something but I think our manager was maybe doing a touch of that against Bournemouth when the opportunity arises when Shakiri's out I'm expecting the same shape we saw against Bournemouth for the next two against Bayern and Man United, is that fair? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much what he'll go with, especially since the fluidity and and the cohesion seem to be there. Um, we'll obviously see, I think, Fabinho at centre back again, which then interrupts the midfield slightly. Um, but I think even having him at centre back and you know being able to step out with the ball and still, you know, w when you were talking at the top of the show about his ability to be progressive, I think that's because he's got really good vision. He can identify, you know, when the short pass went to go diagonal. 
Um, and in the absence of Van Dijk, who is so composed on the ball, you, you're still going to need a, a bit of that from the back and he can provide it. Um, the struggle as well, though, is, you know, when he played centre-back, there wasn't much of a test. And now... There's going to be quite the test. Yeah, <laughs> there is the test in European football in uh, Lewandowski. So, But other than, you know, forward line, we'll expect to see the same midfield like I said it's it's just him uh that one position we you've got Trent back so the balance with the full backs will be better and the right side of defense which has been getting targeted from the first game of the season because Van Dijk is your is on the left it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works without him there now yeah I think the those little wide triangles with Trent being back Gareth you know you can you saw the value of them, I felt, at times against um, against Bournemouth. You could see exactly how it's meant to work, how it operates through there. And sort of inviting people on and then and then playing around them is what we've done really well in those wide areas. And that's it'll be interesting to see if we can actually successfully invite Bayern on. I think Man United on their own ground with what they've got to prove. Yes, they might have one or two injury headaches, but they will want to have a big first 20 against Liverpool. Will, yeah. And I think in both games, it's quite strange really. Normally, Mel said before about Liverpool keeping clear heads, Liverpool being cool behind the scenes. I think both games actually, whilst there'll be a storm at Anfield and a storm at Old Trafford, I think it's almost important for Liverpool to keep their heads and let them be 90-minute games because I think they're better than both sides they're going to face over 90 minutes. That, and that's that's the key point to it, isn't it? It's, it's what we said earlier that it feels to me there's nothing to fear for the rest of the season. You know, Liverpool don't play six months of football like they do and get the results to do unless they're a good side and they are a good side and they've got two adversity as well in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So if we have to do it again, we have to do it again. And, you know, we're... we're there's a little bit of sweating, obviously, about Van Dyke and the suspension, but, you know, equally, if you're a Bayern fan, you probably wanted Muller to not be suspended for them. Um, so, it's one of them, and I, I, I think it's two games that, you know, this is what you're in for, this, this is what you're looking forward to when you, the season starts, you're like, I hope we're still in the Champions League at this stage, the knockout stage, and, it, you know, if we can progress again as well, just continues to light the way for future signings for Liverpool. I mean, we all had a good chuckle about United this week, um, likely now out of the, the Champions League after what happened with PSG. But, you know, there's there's a nice list kicking around. I think it was the mirror saying, here's all the things that have happened since United last won in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Because it, it was when Van Persie was playing for them. It's yeah. a while. Do you know what I mean? And, like, it, it's this idea that, you know, like Solskjaer just comes in and, like, fixes it all and makes it all better. I, I think it's been a bit of a, and I wouldn't compare them in any other way ever, but it's a bit of a Kenny Dalglish effect in that he's come in, there's loads of talk that he's being helped by Ferguson behind the scenes and stuff like that. They got rid of them, you know, the big nasty Mourinho and all that. Bounce effect, everyone felt happy. But I felt that the other night is the start of it unravelling, which is boss. I think it's it, there's an element to that, but also there is a little element of who they played. They were fortunate mm-hmm. against Tottenham, um, <coughs> Mel, in that, you know, De Gea, who's a phenomenal goalkeeper, so it's not fortunate in that you've got the brilliant footballer and he does the brilliant things, but he makes 14 saves against Tottenham. Uh, they've got the, um, the, they had the, you know, the, the, the cup win against Arsenal. But apart from that, they've mostly faced sides from the bottom, bottom 12-ish in the Premier League. And they've done Drew what they should... Drew a Burnley as well. Yeah, and they've, they've done what they should do. That's not to say they won't be a huge challenge. And I think if Liverpool actually find, do what Paris Saint-Germain did, navigate the first half an hour and manage to not concede in that first half an hour, the game should open up into Liverpool's favour. But it won't be easy, but it will be something that Liverpool can can deal with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the whoever they played because I think, you know, that gets... All clubs get painted with that brush. 
I saw people saying it's only Chelsea after City's win, and Chelsea are a complete shambles at the moment. But still, you, are you They've taking got it? Players. To, yeah, you're taking it to ridiculous levels if you're starting to say it's only Chelsea. Um, the thing with United is, I, I think beyond the happiness factor and the enjoyment of football factor people underestimate how important that is because you all you know when you're a kid that's what you get into it all for how it makes you feel Uh, but beyond that he's emphasized united strengths which is counter-attacking football by virtue of the players they have um, you know playing on their speed giving them um lingard on the high press yeah Using Lingard as a false nine, using um, you know the nominal strikers a little bit wider to penetrate in between the fullbacks. Um, he's done a lot of smart things, but he is now severely hampered if Lingard and uh, Martial are out for any great length of time, because you saw without them, you then. United are blunt because that's two key tools yeah. to their, you know, counter-attacking, fast, rapid way they want to play. Um, against Tottenham, what I thought they did very well is Tottenham can be weak in transition if they don't, ha- if they're just not absolutely on it, and they use that very well. I they won't get those same opportunities against Liverpool because Liverpool transition is one of the great strengths of this team. Um, And it's just weathering the spells, I think, where Rashford might have a run at you. And we've seen Liverpool deal with that really well this season. Um, But I think United will have a lot more to worry about for that game. I think it's a really interesting couple of games for Liverpool in terms of the opposition because... um, Josh and I were in Germany in, in January and we spoke to a few Bayern Munich fans and, and they were so worried. They were so worried by their lack of pace and defence, uh, by our, you know, the, our attack and trio, but also our def- defensive record. And they said it was the draw they didn't want. It was the draw that they worried about. And all Bayern Munich fans were very, very worried by Jurgen Klopp and his football. Um, and then I know since then, I think they've been, I think they've been pretty good. I think they've won every game since their previous Champions League game against Ajax. Um, and so they've built up a little bit of momentum. Um, but then played, you, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got beat by Thanks, a couple ago. Did they? Okay, yeah, apart from that one. Since so, you come back from the tournament. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and 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 then you watch uh, you watch Borussia Dortmund here leading that that league, and and they get dismantled by Spurs. And so that I, I, I'm not sure what sort of Bayern Munich to expect. And then United, you look at United, and obviously this bounce that they've had and so on. But they almost reverted to type against PSG as soon as they come up against a side that you know have the attack and threat that PSG have uh, and like uh, Melissa said there as well once the two wide PSG players um, were off the pitch Lingard and Ra- uh, Marshall you could see PSG push up more and, and they were happy to push up more because they were less worried about a Wamata getting in behind them and I think that's something that Liverpool can exploit There's- Absolutely they, they lost so much of their fear factor because anyone who's looked at United's you know last few games or their games under Ole it's been they will hit you so quick and so surgically on the counter just by virtue of the players that they have in those attacking positions without the two of them it what they had nothing they the second half 
was just them surviving through the match. Yeah, you saw you saw like a change, didn't you? Sorry, Neil. You saw like a, a change. It was almost like um, it reminded me of the Champions League final. Since Salah goes off, you see Marcelo push way up further up the pitch. He's happy to push forward because he knows it's Adam Lallana he's got behind. And it was similar with Juan Mata with United. Just on the, the last little point on Bayern, Mel, the the question marks they've got around the middle of the park are fascinating to me. You know, the, the, it looks like they might go with Goretzka, um, Goretzka, Thiago, and James. And there is a there is a, a lack of physical intensity uh, in there. I think Goretzka can put himself about a bit, but he's an attacking midfielder first and foremost. That's the way his brain works. And I do wonder if this is you know a midfield Liverpool on the night may find themselves in a position to be able to pen in and turn round. Yeah, it's interesting. Craig said he's sp- spoken to Bayern fans about what they're expecting. I've also been speaking to just people at other clubs in Germany about you know what's been the issues at by in the season or how they've been playing or what separated Dortmund from them basically and intensity was one of the words that came up they're just not operating to the elite kind of levels that they you know uh, ordinarily have for themselves that one of the reasons is as we've known for a long time their squad is in need of uh, uh, overall it's quite an aging squad so they have to um, introduce some freshness but their um, defence is quite brittle. Their midfield can be overrun um, and can sort of fail to... Con- if you allow them to control a game, they will happily control. If they have to force themselves or impose themselves on a game, they, they struggle with that element. And given Liverpool's options and you know the variety of options that Liverpool have, where I think regardless of which you know, set you choose, they can mm-hmm. um, run a game in, in different, in varying ways. I think it'll be quite interesting. Also, I mean, that front three, the combination play between Firmino and Salah in the last game was so electric and so good to see because I think those two players, more than any other, have been the ones that have just been off a shade a little bit. And they're the ones who need to sort of dovetail as well, Gareth Firmino and Salah for me, in that Mane just sort of gets on with being Sadio Mane, and mm. that's to his enormous credit that almost no matter how well Liverpool are playing or how well Liverpool aren't playing, Sadio Mane has, I think, now got 12 months of delivering pretty solid 7s, 8s, 9s out of 10s, whereas you do think Firmino and Salah make each other better Definitely. in a profound way. No, absolutely, and you saw that in the Bournemouth game, didn't you, all of a sudden, you know, the goal in particular, you're just like, yeah, that, that, that's how you know that they can link up and that's maybe what we haven't seen of quite enough of but I've been fine with it I've been saying all season that you know if that bit saved for this end of the season brilliant yeah. because you know this is this is always the time particularly obviously a knockout competition where you end up playing the better side you know but the matches by the nature when you're going for the title become much more important and yes there is some pressure to contradict myself a little bit but you know if the lads are, if the lads are turning out footy like that at this stage of the season whoever they're playing against, then that is a really, really positive side sign. You know, you, you heard people saying, oh, well, it's only Bournemouth and all that. Bollocks to that. It's going for the title. You're top of the league. You know that everyone is going on about it. It's everywhere. It's on the telly. It's in the papers. It's everywhere you turn. And so if you turn football on of that quality in that type of game, we're flying. Doesn't get more exciting than this. Fantastic stuff to come uh, right the way through the rest of the season. You've got Bayern, you've got Manchester United, then you've got Watford, then you've got Divock Origi starting at Everton. It is all to come. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed to Gareth Roberts, to Melissa Reddy, to Craig Hannon for coming in the studio, Leanne Robe. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.